Saving money on your outdoor project? Now at Menards. We have everything you need to keep your outdoor power equipment running smooth so you can keep that lawn in tip-top shape or enjoy some time on your boat. Right now, all FVP, lawn and garden, and marine batteries are on sale through May 5th. Check out our entire selection of FVP batteries today and view our weekly flyer on Menards.com for more great deals. Save big money at Menards. Welcome to Tell Me a Story I Don't Know, a refreshing and captivating interview with top sports personalities and their connections to Chicago. They reveal some entertaining, memorable, and emotional stories, some you've never heard before. I'm George Hoffman, and please make sure you subscribe to Tell Me a Story I Don't Know on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcast. Tell Me a Story I Don't Know is presented by Dynamic Manufacturing. Since 1955, Dynamic Manufacturing has a relentless commitment to quality and customer service when it comes to your automotive needs. They've been named General Motors Supplier of the Year 22 times. And whether it's remanufacturing, machining, electrification, motorsports, and much more, there's nothing Dynamic Manufacturing can't do. Find them on the web at dynamicmanufacturinginc.com. And by Raul Jewelers, who offer the finest in rings, bracelets, earrings, necklaces, and much more since 1982. They specialize in custom design, so if you're looking for that right gift, especially during the holidays, head to Raul Jewelers on Barrington Road in Hoffman Estates. And they're on the web at rawljewelers.com. Tell Me a Story I Don't Know is also sponsored by the Polina Market, purveyors of the finest meats. Look for them at polinamarket.com and by Vienna Beef, makers of Chicago's hot dogs and a landmark institution since 1893. They're located at viennabeef.com. This week, we feature another two-part interview, this time with Bulls and Fox Sports play-by-play -play star Adam Amin. This is where I grew up. I grew up on calling baseball. I grew up in this business on calling it, and I grew up as a kid watching it, and that, that being the sport that I was most attached to, even if it was for the team on the other side of town. And when Jason got it, I, again, I had no resentment or anger towards him. I was just disappointed. And then you get, get a chance to kind of learn, oh, well, Jason grew up as a pretty hardcore White Sox fan. You know, they, they show, I think when he got the job, they showed like the drawings he had from when he was a kid. I, I just felt like, well, maybe he's the right guy for the job. And I think four years later, five years later, whatever it is, I think we all kind of watch games and listen to games and go, yeah, I think they made the right move. There is no doubting the meteoric rise of Adam Amin. His dramatic climb began with ESPN in 2011. Amin was just 24 then, but since has moved to Fox, where he calls NFL and Major League Baseball games, along with college basketball. And this native of Chicago also landed the coveted role of TV voice of the Bulls. But there is much more to his very interesting life. So, Adam Amin, tell me a story I don't know. I was thinking about this moment <laughs> when you and I got a chance to to correspond. I thought, man, I want to make a, I want to, I want to tell a good story. I want to make whoever's listening laugh a little bit. I hope they find this as funny as as I do now, because uh, I certainly did not find it funny when it happened. This is my first night as the number one radio voice for the Somerset Patriots, who are now the Double A affiliate of the New York Yankees, but for a long time. They had been an independent league team in the Atlantic League. And the Atlantic League is a launch pad league, what I called it when I worked there. It was a league for double A AA and triple A players that had been cut, that were trying to get back into affiliated organizations. 
And it was for like the ex big leaguers who just wanted to hang around and play a little bit more, or maybe had a shot to get back into the big league someday. So the manager is Sparky Lyle. Obviously, Sparky is a very accomplished player, Cy Young Award winner in the late 1970s for those very famous, uh, maybe more infamous New York Yankee teams. A uh, good friend of Goose Gossage and Thurman Munson and, you know, knew all these guys really well. He was a notorious prankster in his days. Like he would sit like, you know, they, they, one of the players would get a birthday cake on their birthday sitting at their clubhouse locker and Sparky would come in and sit in the in the cake as a prank. Not that the most sophisticated prank I get, but this guy had a, had a reputation. So I should have been aware and I was not. So it's my first night. It's a six nothing win for Somerset over the Bridgeport Bluefish. We're at the Holiday Inn in Bridgeport, Connecticut. And after the game, Sparky has everybody come in and celebrate. And he says, hey guys, once a month, we're gonna do this. We're gonna have uh, a nice night together. We'll have an open bar. Drinks are on me. Bring your girlfriend. Bring your wife. Bring you know you know you got a buddy in town or something. Come on, it's it's going to be nice. We'll 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 bond together. So I'm thinking. So this is it. I'm I'm you know 23 years old basically at this point. 20, you know I'm I'm very excited. I'm thinking this is the coolest thing ever. This is what it's like to be a number one broadcaster for a baseball team. You're on the road and enjoying life with 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 these guys. And I'm sitting there and I'm, I'm enjoying the time. I have players coming up to me, buying me shots. They start buying, you know, hey man, welcome, welcome uh, to your first job, you know, first, first number one job, all this stuff. And I'm thinking, wow, what a, what a nice bunch of guys doing this for me. And what I don't realize is that I am taking shots of vodka and they are drinking water. So I am progressively getting <laughs> a little bit more, uh, a little more inebriated as we go forward to the point where, and, and I, and George had a pretty bad cigarette smoking habit when I was in college and into, you know, my, my early years of my career that I finally was able to kick, but Sparky uh, offered a cigarette to me and wanted to go outside and smoke. I said, I smoke a cigarette with a, uh, a Cy Young award winner, this manager, this guy who's part of the Bronx zoo, you know, like this, this guy's got stories for days. So naturally, I go outside. I take him up on this offer. He smokes Winston's. I can still smell him, for God's sake. <laughs> so, like, we're outside smoking a cigarette. Now, a couple of the other players join in. One's got a cigar. One, you know, whatever. They're they've got their drinks and they're they're talking. And I'm meeting some of them for the first time, and we're having a chat. Sparky goes inside. Now, again, I'm almost three sheets to the wind at this point. I walk, maybe stumble back in, uh, and go back to my seat. And there's a fresh drink waiting for me. Mm. And Sparky gets up and says, hey, I got you a drink. He's got this big, gruff, deep voice, big mustache, kind of old school looking guy like Sam Elliott. And he, he, he goes, yeah, pick, pick that up. That's for you. Hey, to, to the rookie here, you know, the, let's give it up for the rookie. And like the whole room starts clapping. And I'm thinking like, this is so strange. Why is everybody being so nice? <laughs> Maybe this is just what it's like to be an adult. This is my first like real baseball job after being an intern I'm, this, I'm i'm thinking this is what life is going to be like and we you know i take a few slit you know slugs from the from the glass and i sit down and i'm in a good mood and all of a sudden sparky gets back up and goes hey wait wait a second real quick real quick and he starts reaching into his mouth and i'm like what is this guy doing? what's wrong with this guy and he goes has anybody seen my teeth and he starts walking around and turns around, looks at the glass that's been in front of me that I've been drinking out of, 
reaches into the glass oh, no. and pulls out false teeth and says, don't worry, I got him. Puts him <laughs> back in his mouth. And the whole room erupts, and I oh. could have fallen over and died right then and there for multiple oh reasons. Embarrassment being at the very top of the list, and it was uh, the perfect indoctrination to a uh, to a, a very very different life that I was about to lead for uh, for my career. I would be remiss if it didn't go in the next direction and give you another name, and that is your broadcast partner here, Stacy King. Sure. You've already had a chance to work with many, many analysts, but none that I know of who are as deliciously delirious about hot sauce and sriracha. And then gun back, Corver for three. Give me the hot sauce! Give me the hot sauce, Bob! Flips it in, Butler firing. Oh my goodness! It's only preseason, but I'm hype, Neil Fox! Jimmy G Buckets! Oh my gets buckets! Crosses over the fadeaway. Let me step back and kiss myself. Oh my MVP gosh, When the city assassin does it again. Hard to find somebody uh, that has the enthusiasm for such condiments as my friend does. But uh, <laughs> I've worked with something like 130 or 140 different analysts in the 10 years that I've done this job at this level, which is a, an astounding number in my head, at least. I don't know. Maybe it's not but it feels like a lot. So to have somebody just kind of skyrocket up near or at the top of the list of people I've enjoyed working with is pretty impressive. Uh, I, I remember walking into Dallas's arena, American airlines center or American airlines arena, whatever it is uh, at, at the uh, start of November in 2018. And that was the first time I was tasked with filling in for Neil Funk. And I was one of several broadcasters who all did fabulous work uh, while Neil was taking some time off. And I remember walking into Dallas and going to the broadcast spot uh, courtside and just waiting for Stacy. Stacy was going to be there in a couple of minutes. And I just happened to be on a different, you know, a uh, different path to get there. And just being nervous. I thought, gosh, I really don't want to upset this guy. I, 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 this is a big chance for me. You know, who knows what this could lead to down the line. I got a big hug from him, just a big bear hug from him when I first met him. And I just thought, all right, that, that put me at ease. And they took a photo and like posted it. And I just remember that photo and I just looked really happy. And Stacy just looks really like bemused. And I think about that and I go, that was the first time. And it, feels like a lot longer ago than it really is because he just has this way of making you feel like you've been a lifetime, lifetime friend and a lifetime buddy. And that's, that's a skill. And I don't know how tangible of a skill it is. I think it feels more like an intangible thing and he has it. And it's what you see in great leaders. It's what you see in great teammates. Uh, I think it's what you see in, in good people. And I, I think that's what you'll find in Stacy. And I think that's uh that's that, that that's the best way to encompass him. And I don't even think we ever mentioned how he is on television. Well, you're not only his play-by-play -play partner, but his laugh track. It's hard not to laugh when he really gets going. But beneath all of that, he's a very smart basketball mind to lean on. Kobe White. 
gives the Bulls their first lead of the night. <laughs> oh, man. That's, <laughs> that's cold by us, man. They, they allow oh. fans into the building, and we're just oh. like, man, what's up, what's up with the jersey? <laughs> oh, man. Come on. That was Adam and me, my man. It wasn't me. Dude, I got nothing but love for you. Anytime you repping the Bulls, baby, hey, I don't care. <laughs> it says it says Michael Jordan on the back. <laughs> I think people gravitate to him for the former i think they gravitate to him because of his energy and because of his humor he really is one of the funniest people i've ever met in my life like he's just a funny person there's a lot of stuff that he and i specifically can joke about because of our shared background or or you know whatever common uh interests in music or food or whatever there's just you know references that just like you can make with specific friends of yours it's the same thing with he and i and, and we just have these little connective jokes or connective inside, you know, runs. And I think people gravitate to him because of that. And what you see on air, what you hear on air is pretty much what you're going to get off the air. He's that person. He's that loose. He's that fun, but he's exceptionally perceptive. You know, he, he comes from a, a pretty strict background. Uh, he was a very detail oriented guy, you know, military background from his family. And, you know, raised in Oklahoma, school there, played for Billy Tubbs. Like, he, he is a very detail-oriented person. And I think that perceptiveness is obvious when you see what he notices, how quickly he notices it. And because of, you know, that's the latter that we're talking about, how smart of a basketball mind he is. I think his perceptiveness combined with his humor is what draws people to him. And that's not an easy thing to be able to translate the television when you're speaking in these short bursts, trying to simplify, you know, complex concepts to people who are watching the game. And he has this almost naturalistic ability to do that. And I, I hope that's what people stay for. I hope they come for his energy. And I think they do. I think they come for his, his entertainment value for lack of a better term. I hope they listen and stay for the sharp basketball analysis. And I think we got along because of that. You know, like I said, I had been calling games in the league for, for a few years at that point. I had a knowledge of the pace. I had a knowledge of the league itself. And I think having that baseline level of knowledge and having called big games in my career already made him feel comfortable with, with going deeper. And I think it made me comfortable with allowing him to, to go to that second and third level. I hope that's how it sounds at least on the air. Listen up, OEMs. First impressions are lasting ones. Dynamic Manufacturing's impressive complex in Hillside, Illinois, includes nearly a million square feet of operating space. I had a chance to view some of it, and I was overwhelmed by the organization, technology, and dedicated workforce. Dynamic Manufacturing provides solutions for engineering, manufacturing, machining, and logistics, and they can re-energize your electric and energy storage systems. They can machine any project, no matter the size. And when it comes to motorsports, they're your trusted partner for chasing podiums with their custom torque converters. Dynamic Manufacturing is your one-stop for all your remanufacturing needs, and they can't wait to engineer a custom solution for getting maximum value from experienced parts. Dynamic Manufacturing, where there's nothing they can't do.
The easiest way to hear more great guests on Tell Me a Story I Don't Know is to follow me on social media at George Hoffman. That's O-F-M-A-N, just one F, on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And please subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts. We return with Adam Amin on Tell Me a Story I Don't Know. You were a finalist for the White Sox job that went to your friend, Jason Benetti. I imagine that was a bit of a di- disappointment for you. But what was it like then to land the Bulls job, it, you know, especially since you grew up here? It wasn't anger. It wasn't sadness. I think you're right. It was disappointment. I just thought, man, the White Sox job would just be a great job to have. It's an up and coming, you know, core of a roster there. You know, the, the ballpark's three miles from my apartment, which is probably the most, uh, you know, appealing thing just to have a a local job and it's baseball, you know, that this is where I grew up. I grew up on calling baseball. I grew up in this business on calling it. And I grew up as a kid watching it. And that, that being the sport that I was most attached to, even if it was for the team on the other side of town. And when Jason got it, I, again, I had no resentment or anger towards him. I was just disappointed. And then you get, get a chance to kind of learn, Oh, Jason grew up as a, pretty hardcore White Sox fan. You know, they, they show, I think when he got the job, they showed like the drawings he had from when he was a kid and, <laughs> you know, and things like that. And it's like, how do you argue with that? It's such a great story. And obviously he's an, an exceptional announcer as well. But I mean, that goes without saying, I, I just felt like, well, maybe he's the right guy for the job. And I think four years later, five years later, whatever it is, I think we all kind of watch games and listen to games and go, yeah, I think they made the right move. I think it was the right person. I think he was right for the job. The job was right for him. And I didn't think much of it because, you know, this is one of those sliding doors moments where he gets the White Sox job, but that opens me up in the spring to do the NBA and to do the NBA playoffs specifically on, on radio and a little bit on television. You know, both Jason and I were working at ESPN at that point. So we're both kind of on similar trajectories with maybe different parallels. And this allowed me to kind of separate myself and, and be, you know, be focused on that sport and get to do it at a really high level. And because of that experience, it got me an earlier opportunity with the bulls. And I think having coming in with a lot of comfort on the, on the NBA itself and having a rapport with Stacy, I think that led to, you know, maybe being one of the, one of the candidates for the Bulls job. I, I don't doubt that. And it's very much a what could have been type of scenario. You know, it, we easily could have swapped jobs. And by the way, you know, I, I'm happy to fill in for Jason when he needs it, you know, for the White Sox. He just hasn't needed it very often. And he fills in on the Bulls when I'm when I'm on assignment for Fox. And oh, what a combination. What a combination and, and it, that has to be Jason and Stacy King. Oh my goodness. They're a ball to listen to. They have a blast, <laughs> you know, and and it's it, it only connects me and him a little bit deeper. I think Jason and I, uh, I think we'll, we, we've always felt a certain level of respect and connectivity to one another because of how we care about our craft and how we care about our job. And I know he cares about this as deeply as I do. And I think I care about it as deeply as anyone. And he has that same passion and he has the same respect for the craft. And we have found that mutual respect in each other because of that. So I only root for the guy now. And I think based on these last few years, we'll only be further connected going forward if, we, if we're if we both lucky enough to be in, in Chicago for a long time. 
this is going to air sometime in October, so tell me a story I don't know. Your impressions of the dramatic offseason moves the Bulls made, and they made a whole lot of them. I think there's a drastic buzz, a shift in buzz and, and, the, and the tenor surrounding the team. I think there were flashes of it last year. So I understand there was a little bit of disappointment surrounding the end of last year. But I think there were those flashes were enough for people a around the league to recognize that the Bulls could be a viable place to play. They have some respect for the front office. They obviously have respect for Zach Levine and and Vucevic as as all stars, and obviously Levine coming off a gold medal. That's a that's a big deal. So I think at the end of the day, the moves get done. You have Lonzo Ball, you have Alex Caruso, you have Demar Derozan. You have two all-stars already established on your roster. You have a pretty good-looking bench. And I think there's a lot to be excited about. And it happens fast in the NBA. It's a cyclical league. But I think you get bogged down in the length of seasons, the same way you do in Major League Baseball. When the seasons go poorly, it is tough to be excited. And I think it's a lot easier to be excited right now, and understandably so. You do Bears preseason games, some Cubs, some White Sox, games on Fox, and of course you do the Bulls. So this puts you in rather rare company with several others, including the legendary Jack Brickhouse, to announce all four, or at least four of the five, major league teams here. Just think of it, Adam. All that's left are the Blackhawks. (laughs) I I shudder to think uh, how (laughs) petrified I would be if I suddenly got thrust into a hockey booth. Uh, Pat Foley being one of the first people I ever listened to with any type of, uh, you know, antenna up and, and remember imitating him often as a kid with, you know, that kind of crisp nasal, you know, cutting tone with that slight Chicago accent and, and just this, this incredible cadence and pace. And, and like I said, the, the, the word crisp always stuck out when I think of Pat Foley and and that, but I, I feel like, I can't remember. I think it was Paul Sullivan that brought it up to me, George, that, Hey, you have a chance to do, to pull off the brick. <laughs> and I thought that was, I was like, what do you, what do you mean? He goes, the brick, you get to do the brick house. It feels like Robert is going to have to play a big role in this series. Fans got a little bit of a taste of him in the wild card series last year when he hit that Titanic home run against Oakland. Well, check swing towards third. Bregman makes the play. Robert using his speed and that throw is a little high. And there is another one of the tools in the bag of Luis Robert. DeYoung cranks one. Well hit to center. Hap ranging back at the wall and into the basket. A third Cardinal home run in the fifth inning. Here's the boot again. And Redmond is there to block. Throwback. Fields has Jesse James. Backpedals in. Fields with a touchdown. And the Bears take the lead. Another defense by DeRozan this time. Nice lead pass for Caruso. Back to DeRozan! Oh, I'm telling you, going to be a lot of that this year, Bulls fans. Get hyped. The hype is real. Like, you never think about those things, and it's just very jarring to feel like, you know, you get to, to again, I don't know how big of an accomplishment it is, you know, it's a, for, for me, because it's you know, it's, it's more of a random assignment, you know, where, where Jack was, you know, really deep right. in, deeply entrenched with all of these organizations, you know, be, being here and, and ha- you know, being part of that era of, of almost like the golden age of, of the first era of broadcasting uh, sports in particular. I, 
I, mine's more happenstance. You know, the Bears and the Bulls are one thing. The the White Sox and the Cubs are are more lucky for me. You know, the the fact that they were, you know, my bosses were nice enough to give me back to back Chicago games at home with the Cubs and the White Sox was just, you know, that was pure luck, and I'll take that. Uh, so I, I certainly don't uh, pull myself up in that same, you know, that with that same level of esteem as Jack, but it is pretty cool to have some form of connectivity to him. Who doesn't love jewelry? Who wouldn't love Rawl Jewelers? Family owned and operated for nearly 40 years, Rawl Jewelers offers the very best in fine jewelry and engagement rings, including mined and lab-grown diamonds. And they utilize the latest technology and offer jewelry repair on the premises. Rawl Jewelers has a glittering array of rings, necklaces, earrings, bracelets, and watches, and offers custom-designed jewelry on the premises. And if you have the most specific questions, Rawl Jewelers has four graduate gemologists on staff. With over 200 years of combined experience and expertise, it's no wonder Rawl Jewelers is one of the leading shops of its kind. This is where my wife and I got our wedding bands many years ago, and it's safe to say, when you walk in as a customer, you're going to leave as a friend. Rawl Jewelers is located at 3001 Barrington Road in Hoffman Estates, right off I-90 West. Rawl Jewelers, when only the very best will do. You know, I looked at a list of the events you have already covered, and it's really a smorgasbord. I mean, you made it, <laughs> you called it, including Nathan's Famous Hot Dog Eating Contest. I have to tell you this, I cannot watch that. I can't sure. see it. So what was it like to broadcast it? You know, I mean, listen, a million people, for whatever reason, whether it's morbid curiosity or legitimate excitement for uh, this portion of competitive uh uh, contests, a million people seem to tune in every year. And, and I didn't realize that it was such a draw until they asked me to do it, uh, in, in, in front of the 2018 contest. And I thought to myself, well, why not? What the hell, what else, what else are we going to do on the 4th of July? So I ended up at Coney Island with a great group of people and, uh, watched something that I had never seen. He is the only man to ever consume 70 hot dogs and buns here at Nathan's. He's done it now three times. They're waiting to see if he finishes it off and does it again. Looking to become a four-time 70 dog consumer. And got to call it in a fashion that felt very familiar. And we prepared for this event the same way we would otherwise. You know, you, you, do, you do the same you know, Major League Eating, the uh, governing body of this uh, angle of competitive contests is... Hold it, uh, hold it, hold there, it. There's, there is a governing body for There eating. is a governing body <laughs> for, for competitive eating. Major League Eating, they do a great job just the way, you know, baseball or football or basketball or whatever would do in keeping records and personal accomplishments and, and statistics and things of that, that ilk and... I did all my research going into that and I wanted to know everything about what their personal records were. What is the story about how they got into it and to be able to sprinkle these things throughout just as you would during a football or basketball or baseball or hockey game. So, you know, the, the prep process and the actual process of calling it were similar, but it is a, it, it, you do have to understand what they go through and it is not the most aesthetically pleasing thing to watch. Mm -hmm. 
by any means. And, and, you know, sometimes it gets a little grosser than we expect, but we're far enough away from uh, what is endearingly known as the splash zone. Uh, so that we're, we can, we can, we can call it with, uh, with no, uh, no interference, so to speak. It's actually a very exciting 10 minutes when, when you're in the midst of it. Well, I'm curious when it was over, did you have a great desire or great disdain for a hot dog? I ate both of my Nathan's hot dogs before, uh, well before the contest, (laughs) because I had a feeling that it may not be the most appealing thing to me afterwards. And certainly it was not. I, I did I did enjoy a, a cheeseburger at PJ Clark's after. You were already a very busy guy when you were 20. And it included Turner Sports and Entertainment Digital Network. You were handling jobs with Horizon League, Fox Sports Wisconsin, the IHSA, along with being the sports director at a rather small station in Iowa. So you were getting an enormous amount of experience at a very early age, and you were getting it quickly. It was necessary for me, I think. I have um, some very close friends that I look up to in this business in a lot of ways. And I just think of that one of them being Wayne Randazzo, who's you know a fellow Chicago and St. Charles kid, who's the you know voice of the Mets. And I listened to him call a baseball game, and I just and I thought this when I first heard him too in our 20s. And I listen to him now and still believe it. He's one of the hardest working people I've ever met, but he has just this natural gift to in my, this is just my feelings about it. I don't, I don't know if this is a proper evaluation, but this is how I perceive him. Cabrera's pitch. Alonzo trails this one in the air, deep to left center field. This one's going to go. It is gone. A home run. There's number 100 in the career of Pete Alonzo. It has taken him only 347 major league games to hit 100 homers. I just think he's just so naturally gifted at this. It would take me 50 games to sound the way he would after five or 10. It's just there's a, a different learning curve with some people in this business. You know, the Maria Taylors and Laura Rutledges of the world, two women that I have great respect for that I worked with that are friends of mine and have been for, for the better part of a decade. There, I just look at them and think, yeah, you're two of the hardest working people I know, but you're also just so naturally good at this. Plus, you work really hard. It's no shock you have the success you have. And I think to myself that I'm not that person. I'm the person that needed to do this over and over and over and over and over again so that the mechanics would stick into my head so that the way my brain works, it would be able to recall the process of how to say a sentence and structure these words and feel comfortable so that instinct takes over after a certain amount of time rather than having to think about every piece of the process to get through a game. You know, I, I didn't think I was naturally good at this. So for me, all those events, all those jobs were, were incredibly important building blocks. They were repetitions. And now that's, that's how I got, again, I'm, I know it's a subjective business, but in my estimation, I think I'm good at it at the very least. And I think I got good at it by just doing it a lot. Whereas some people were already good at it and then they got an opportunity and only got better. And I just felt like an imposter for the most part. So for me, all those jobs were necessary just to feel like I had some baseline level of quality that was what was acceptable to do a job on national TV or national radio. 
ever been to the Polina Market? If not, what are you waiting for? It's been Chicago's premier market for the finest meats and much more since 1949. Their steaks are top of the line, but there's also chicken, fish, and those mouth-watering sausages. And you might spend hours just perusing their frozen food section, all made fresh. And now, the expanded Polina Market offers beer, wine, and sandwiches. It's become a one-stop shop, making your in-store experience well worth your time. And you can still order online. I've been shopping here since 1984. Polina Market is simply the best and conveniently located at 3501 North Lincoln Avenue in Chicago. Check them out on their impressive website at polinamarket.com. No one, I mean no one, does hot dogs better than Vienna Beef. That's because they've been doing them since 1893. Imagine biting into a delicious all-beef Vienna hot dog, dragged through the garden which includes yellow mustard, onions, relish, tomatoes, sport peppers, pickles, and celery salt, and just try that on one of their Polish sausages. Vienna products are available everywhere, from your supermarkets, restaurants, the ballparks, and zoos, just to mention a few, and you can purchase them online at ViennaBeef.com. And look for their farm acres, chili, mini bagel dogs, condiments, and classic deli meats. Take it from a guy who was weaned on, then sold Vienna products. It's the mark of excellence since 1893. Find them at ViennaBeef.com. Let's go back to 2010 and that station in Iowa. You left. You wanted to go back to minor league baseball. So tell me a story I don't know. What happened and why? I got to a place called Spirit Lake, Iowa, a town of about 3,000 people. A little bit of a culture shock for me just because I'd come from Chicago, suburban Chicago, very diverse, very large group of people. I went to Valparaiso University in Indiana, a very diverse small college, but very diverse nonetheless, a lot of international students, a lot of diverse backgrounds from kids you know, in the tri-state area. So I always felt like I could look around and see somebody who looked like me or somebody who had a similar experience. And then all of a sudden I was in this small town and I did not feel that. And that's to no fault of anybody in that town. Many of those people are still very good friends of mine, including one of my closest friends to this day. But it was still a little bit of a shock to be there for somebody who's young, who is trying to figure out if they're doing the right thing in this business. You know, Keith Jackson used to have this saying called, find your Boise. Uh, referring to Boise, Idaho, because one of his earliest jobs was in Boise, Idaho, and that's where he cut his teeth. And that's where he really felt like he learned a lot. So for me, going to the small town in Iowa was like, well, yeah, that's that's this is my Boise. This And, and in my estimation, it was also part of the process. You need to go pay your dues and you need to be in a place that makes you feel a little uncomfortable if, if, if you really want to grow at some point. So in my head, I, I thought this is the right thing to do. And in hindsight, it certainly feels that way. But at the time, when you're isolated, when you're by yourself, when you haven't really connected with a lot of people outside of where you work, and you can't really see the light at the end of the tunnel, you can't really see what the value of this, this process is, you can't really see the value of it in, in the moment, it gets very frustrating. And for me, having had some level of success as a younger person, as a college student, I, I got some awards as a kid, as a student. I worked really good internships. I got to call a lot of games and, and I thought, well, I'm already, I'm ready for everything. And I wasn't. And I think I, you know, for lack of a better term, George needed to get my ass kicked. And I think it was a good experience for me to have to wake up at four 30 every day and to go to the radio station at five and to work on the sports cast for that morning and to co-host this morning show 
from 6 to 10 a.m. that I that was more about pop culture. And we were interviewing a lot of D-list celebrities. And which, by the way, I, I feel bad saying that because when I, you know, you interview Alison Brie in 2010 and now she's this big star, you know, mm-hmm. the, you, you at least feel like you have some kind of investment in people. But it wasn't my, you know, thing. It wasn't my bag, you know, doing the sports cast at 10, 12 and five and then going to do the, you know, to, to go to the john deere show and to be able to talk about intelligently about the, the new tractors that were coming in and to you know be doing the all adult contemporary disc jockey shift on a couple sundays a month it didn't really appeal and it was frustrating because i thought am i is this all i'm good for and then the thing that i realized was in the eight months that i was there that i loved calling games the double headers on Tuesday nights, Wednesday nights, and Friday nights for girls and boys basketball around, you know, the area. I actually really enjoyed those. That was my favorite part. And I knew that's what I wanted to focus on. And that combined with having some rough nights, not taking care of myself. I mentioned a pretty bad smoking habit at that point and gaining a lot of weight and feeling really isolated and getting really depressed and not really taking care of myself and probably drinking too much again, doing that as a kid from a conservative Muslim background also weighs on your, you know, uh, on your brain a little bit too, as you're trying to navigate being just a human being and figure out what's good for you, what's bad for you. I, I think all those things combined led me to realize that I, I should go focus on something that I really enjoy and no, that I fun, really wanted to do. It's funny you mentioned that it's good to be 20 and sometimes it's not so good to be 20. It's not so good. You know, at that <laughs> point, I'm, uh, I'm not... Uh, I'm, I'm really pushing my, my boundaries at that point. I'm pushing my limits and, and it was not in the way that I, that was productive for me at all. But at the very least, you know, I'm, I'm ashamed to, to think that this is what it, it took for me to kind of come to that realization. But I guess, you know, youth is wasted on the young. And uh, I think that's, uh, that's kind of what I came to realize that I didn't know everything. And uh, I, I needed to, I needed to take this experience and use it for the better. So yeah, I applied for a couple jobs and that's when I landed in New Jersey and in Somerset for a couple of summers. In part two, you'll find a lot more about the personal side of Adam Amin, and it's inspiring to say the least. My thanks to Fox Sports, NBC Sports Chicago, and WCBS Radio for those wonderful highlights. And thanks as always to TJ Reeves for putting this podcast on the map, Will Hatzel for his deft editing and mixing, and Nicholas Tochi for our graphic designs. Tune in next week for part two with Adam Amin on Tell Me a Story I Don't Know. I'm George Hoffman, and that's all she wrote. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Coriant.com. 
Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.